Good evening and welcome to episode 12 of the Dollar Dogs and Beer podcast. I'm your host, Andrew, and I'm flying solo tonight. I'm doing a mini episode since we didn't record our regular episode earlier this week because of the uh, Home Run Derby and the All-Star break. So, um, I'm drinking tonight just a simple Guinness. I've always been a fan of nitrogenated beers, and Guinness is definitely no exception being one of my favorites. So, I'm going to be doing just a quick uh, end of the first half highlights for our three teams. Uh, Just a couple of thoughts I had for each team going into the All-Star break. Um, I'm not really going to go into the All-Star break and the Home Run Derby too much tonight because me and Joe and Jason are going to cover that when we get back together next week to record. All right, so Atlanta ended the ended the first half of the season kind of disappointingly. They should, in my opinion, they really should have been able to take two out of three from Pittsburgh on the road instead of losing two out of three to Pittsburgh. In game one, they got blown out 11-1. to It was not a great game for Atlanta. Gamble hit two home runs. He drove in six RBIs for the Pirates. There really wasn't a whole heck of a lot good going on for the Braves. Uh, Gamble hit a home run off Max Freed in the fourth. He doubled home Brian Reynolds in the sixth and had a three-run shot in the seventh. That was actually the Pirates' second straight winning after a six-game losing streak. So, you know, Atlanta wasn't able to take advantage of the shifting momentums, unfortunately. Um, DeYoung pitched for Pittsburgh. He actually had a long first inning. It was a 36-pitch first inning, but he was able to get through it to pick up the win. You know, unfortunate for Atlanta that despite that long inning, they weren't able to get more than the single run across when... uh, um, when Freeman hit the double to deep right and Ronald Acuna Jr. scored on the fielding error by the right fielder. So, you know, just not a great outing for Atlanta. Freed gave up six earned runs over five innings. Uh, he only struck out five, walked two. Uh, Josh Tomlin also did not look good in relief. In one inning in the seventh inning, he gave up six hits and five earned runs himself along with two home runs. Uh, the other home run that was hit was uh, Hayes also had the home run as well in the seventh. So, you know, not a great night for Atlanta there. They didn't look good. with. They went 0-9 for 9 with runners in scoring position. They left 9 on. Pirates went 4-9. for 9. They left 7 on. Pirates also turned two double plays. Atlanta just did not have it in the first game, unfortunately. In the second game of the series, Atlanta lost a close one, a 2-1 loss there. Uh, Brian Reynolds drew a four-pitch walk from Tyler Matzik in the ninth to force a game-winning walk. I've got a lot of issues with what Snicker did with the bullpen in this game. Ian Anderson pitched pretty well. He went five innings. He gave up five hits and only the single earned run. He did walk three and struck out four. So, you know, control and everything wasn't quite there like we would have liked it. But, you know, he only gave up one run through five and you should be able to hold on to that. Unfortunately, where that went off the rails was that freaking ninth inning, man. Uh, Tyler Matzik came on, and it was not a pretty inning at all. Uh, first thing, uh, Castro hit for Rodriguez. He drew a walk. And then Frazier singled to center and moved Castro up. Hayes walked. He moved uh, Frazier to second. Castro to third. Base is loaded. And then Reynolds walked on four pitches. Let me repeat that. Reynolds walked on four pitches. I mentioned this last week, or maybe it was two weeks ago. As they started cracking down on sticky substances, 
One of the pitchers who has had some of the most RPM loss is Tyler Matzik. Uh, last time I checked, he was top five, top ten, and lost RPM on his four-seamer, his slider, and um, also his curveball as well. He has had trouble locating his pitches since this has happened. Matzik's line on the night tonight, guys, terrible. He did not record an out. He gave up a hit, an earned run, and three walks. Why is Snicker still using him in high leverage situations when he has not consistently been able to control the ball and get outs ever since this happened? Unfortunately, Matzik's pitching performance overshadowed a really, really good game by Arcia. He hit a home run in the fifth inning off cool. And Arcia had a very good game in that one. He went two for three. He had a run scored in the RBI, and he only struck out once. He's been a solid fill-in for Atlanta uh, with that hole out there in center field. So not too much more I want to say about that game. I'm still really ticked off about that one. You should never lose a game, guys, with a bases-loaded walk in the ninth inning. It's absolutely infuriating. And as mad as Jason's been about the uh, Phillies bullpen, I think I have every right to be as mad, if not more mad, just about that one appearance. All right, the Braves did manage to take the last game in the series, so thank God they didn't get swept. Abraham Almonte, really, uh, he's really been stepping up, especially off the bench pinch hitting. To start the year, uh, Pablo Sandoval was our big bat off the bench, but... He hasn't done much in the, over the last month, month and a half. His average is in the low hundreds. And his power seems to be non-existent because all he's trying to do is pound the ball. He's not trying to put it back where it's pitched or anything like that. So Abraham Almonte, he delivered a go-ahead two-run single in the sixth inning and added a two-run home run as they avoided the sweep. It was, like I said, a 14-3 to victory. Excuse me, I missed my page with the uh, box score here. Drew Smiley he pitched pretty well. He went five innings. He gave up nine hits, three earned runs. He walked three, but he struck out four. Uh, Snit didn't let him pitch too late into that game, and I can understand that. Uh, Will C uh, Crow for the Pirates. He went four and two-thirds. He gave up six hits, only two earned runs, two walks, four strikeouts. What happened was when Crick came in and the uh, you know the bullpen just fell apart on the Pirates as they have been for a lot of the season. He picked up his first blown save of the year. He only survived a third of an inning and gave up two hits and allowed four earned runs. So Adrianza had a double in that game and Ciarte hit a double. Albies hit a double. Swanson hit a double. Riley hit a double. This is what Atlanta needs to see more of. They need all of these other secondary guys to start stepping up. And that's going to become even more important when I get a couple games ahead. Uh, Jonathan Lucroy was brought up from the minors. Contreras was sent down. He's His bat's cooled off a lot lately, so they want to give him some at-bats down at AAA. Uh, Lucroy came up and got himself an RBI. Acuna had a home run as well. It was a good game all in all. Adrianza had RBIs. Almonte had four. Arcia had two. Swanson had an RBI. Riley had two. And Acuna had an RBI. This is what Atlanta needs to they need multiple contributors from this lineup for the rest of the for the rest of the way out if they're going to be successful. I and I really hope we're going to be able to see that. There was a trade made after the All Star game. Uh, I will get into that a little later. So Atlanta w didn't have a lot of great momentum going into the Marlins series, but 
Thankfully, the guy who's been hot for them on the mound lately, Charlie Morton, started Game 1, and Atlanta uh, combined to have a 5-0 shutout in the first game of the series. Morton had a fantastic outing, 7 innings, 2 hits, 2 walks, 7 strikeouts. You know, this must be what Jason feels like, being able to count on Zach Wheeler to go out and pitch 7 innings all the time. Atlanta hasn't had a lot of deep starts this year, and it's nice to see that. Uh, Bass for Miami. He only survived an inning. He gave up a hit and earned run. I think Miami had to go bullpen game this this one. Uh, Moramondo went five innings, doing most of the work out of the Miami bullpen. Uh, Arcia had a double in this game. Albies had his 25th double of the season. Swanson, Riley also doubled. Riley also had a triple. Uh, Freddie hit a, home, a solo shot in the first inning. So, you know, once again, we had RBIs spread out. That's what Atlanta needs to do more of. They did well with runners in scoring position, going four for 12. And they really, they held Miami pretty much silent this whole game. Atlanta allowed two hits for the entire game for the combined shutout and only three walks total between the three pitchers. That's what I really, really love to see. I hope I see that a lot more. Uh, of course, there was controversy in this one again. Uh, Ronald Acuna Jr. was once again hit by another Marlins pitcher. Uh, my father, Rich Miller, asked on the Facebook page, does Brian Snicker need to do more to help protect Ronald Acuna Jr.? Um, I think he is. I think he's doing a lot, especially every time he's hit by the first pitch. You know, Snicker, the last series, he was out there right away. He successfully argued his case, and he had the Marlins pitcher ejected after one pitch. You know, that's not always going to be the case, of course. You know, they're not always going to plunk him with the first pitch. It does seem like it happens a lot. I think we're up to two or three times it was the first pitch and seven or eight hit by pitches total. It, You know, I'm a Braves fan. I'm incredibly frustrated every time I see this. And it's, you know, that's definitely not something that's going to change anytime soon. That's for sure. Jason responded to my dad on the Facebook page. He definitely needs to stand up for his player. I've never seen someone take so many hit-by-pitches from one team. It's insane. The curveball wasn't intentional, but the others, the first pitch of the game, absolutely are. And Jason, I do agree with that. Uh, you know, the Braves, they rallied around Acuna after the hit-by-pitch. Morton looked great. The Braves came away with a good win and a shutout. You know, I'm happy with that. That's what we need to do. And it got us back to 500. We were at that point at, I'm sorry, we were one game under 500. I'm jumping ahead of myself, sorry. We were at 43 and 44. The next game was not so much a good game for Atlanta. They did win, but it came at a tremendous cost. Uh, the Braves won the second game 5-4. to four. They did get back to 500 at 44 and 44. Unfortunately, Ronald Acuna Jr. Uh, is going to have season-ending surgery to, to repair completely toward ACL in his right knee. He, uh, Jazz Chisholm hit a deep shot to the right field warning track. Acuna tried to jump to get the ball. He landed awkwardly, and he was not able to get up. He slammed into the wall, crumpled on the track, and immediately grabbed that knee. Uh, Chisholm did get an inside-the-park home run out of it. Acuna did try to walk it off, but he dropped back to the ground in shallow right field. Um, a trainer tended him while they got a card out. You know, there were tears welling up in his eyes. This is a kid who just wants to go out and play baseball. He loves playing baseball, and he plays the game with such passion. Uh, Snicker said after the game, quote, he's in a lot of pain, I can tell you that. It's a tough break for the team and for him. I mean, Snicker didn't say afterwards that 
Acuna was done for the season. Obviously, you send him off for tests, but he basically said, you know, he's done for the year. He was hurting. Uh, Jazz Chisholm, uh, he he was really he said good things after the game. A guy like that, him getting in, injured, the baseball world's going to miss him if he's out for a long time. Hopefully, he gets better. Uh, he said at first he thought Acuna was going to make the catch and didn't realize the severity of the injury until after he got home. And of course. It, You'd never expect the runner to turn around and, you know, see the fielder crumbled and then just stop. You know, he that's his job. He's supposed to leg it out. Um, of course, obviously, Acuna was not, did not start in the outfield for the NL All-Star team because of that. So in this one, you know, like I said, the Braves did rally around their, they did rally around their young star. Freddie Freeman had a two-run home run. Um, Swanson had double, Riley had a double. Uh, Freddie had a total of three RBIs for the game. He's really starting to heat up. And, you know, with Acuna being out for the rest of the year, that's going to be absolutely huge for Atlanta. Freddie needs to be the MVP he was last season to carry this team forward. Or the, it's going to be very hard for this team to produce runs because Acuna was such a huge spark plug for this team. He did so much. Even, even when he was slumping, just the threat of his bat in the lineup, the potential, the speed he has in the base path, that's so hard to duplicate and reproduce. Uh, Max Free did pick up his sixth win of the season in that game. He did pitch five innings. He gave up nine hits, but he only allowed three runs and struck out five. Uh, the bullpen held. There were the only runs that were allowed. Uh, Will Smith allowed one run in the ninth, but did hold on for his 18th save of the season. And then in the last game of the series, the uh, Marlins did manage to, of course, take the last game of the series and drop Atlanta one game back under 500 again. Uh, Marlins right-hander Pablo Lopez had a fantastic start to the season. He struck out an MLB mark of nine in a row to start the game. I I feel like Atlanta's entire lineup was kind of in shock still from the Acuna injury. I mean, Adrianza was leading off. I, you know, this is not, you know, this is not what the Braves in their wildest nightmare scenarios ever imagined happening. And you know, I think any team after their big star goes down to injury. You know, I think everybody's going to have that kind of punch-in-the-face reaction. Lopez pitched a great game. He went six innings total, five hits, three earned runs, two walks. Interestingly, after the nine straight strikeouts, he didn't strike out another guy. He didn't. He did not hit the double-digit strikeout mark, and he did allow a home run to Dansby Swanson, who actually hit two home runs in the game. Ian Anderson, he only lasted two and a third innings. He gave up six hits, four earned runs, five walks, and four strikeouts. Uh, I'm a little worried about Ian Anderson. I believe Atlanta put him on the IL. Yeah, they they put him on the IL. He's having some shoulder inflammation right now. They're going to shut him down for about a week to 10 days to uh, see if the inflammation will go down or, you know, if they're going to have to reassess. Um, good news on the injury front. Tuki Toussaint did get activated off the 60-day IL, and he's going to be pitching Tuesday against the Padres. So that'll be, be nice to see Tuki come up, see what's going on with him. So, you know, this was not the this was not what Atlanta was expecting, unfortunately, to uh, end the first half of the year. This has been a rough season for Atlanta in general, but to go down like this, I when I saw the injury happen, my my heart and my stomach went up in my throat. I knew it wasn't good. And I just, I, I was hoping that that's all it was, was just an ACL. I was really, I, truthfully, I was 
secretly wishing for like something more minor, like an MCL, PCL, but my gut told me it was the ACL, and you know, it's one of those times that I wish it was wrong, but it wasn't. So the thing Atlanta's going to have to do, they've got the three guys that really need to step up and carry this team in the second half. Freddie Freeman. Now, he, Freddie is up to a 274 average at the end of the game. He's really been turning it on. Um, he's hit 19 home runs now, 50 RBIs. They're going to need Freddie to carry this offense. They're going to need him to carry it. He was the MVP last year. He needs to continue that. Ozzy Albies has been heating up. He started slow, but his average is up to 262. He is pounding extra base hits. Riley is still around 276. Uh, Riley's slugging still at 468. Ozzy's at 500. Freddie's at 489. Those three guys need to be the sparks that Acuna was when he was playing. Now, Atlanta did make a move after the All-Star game. They traded uh, low single A first baseman Bryce Ball to the Chicago Cubs for Jock Peterson. Um, Snicker announced that Peterson is going to be the everyday starting right fielder and leadoff hitter for Atlanta for the foreseeable future. I like the trade for both teams. I think the Cubs, I, I think Joe would agree with me, I think the Cubs should be selling off. I mean, he basically said that last week in that rant. But, you know, I agree with him. The Cubs did not and this last part of the first half well. They, only, they lost three out of four to Philadelphia. Now, they had split St. Louis. The last game was postponed. We'll see when or if that's made up. But, you know, that was not what the Cubbies needed to end, this, to end the first half. June ended in just a shambles for the Cubs. They came in so hot from May, and they've completely fallen apart in June. And I... I will be shocked if the Cubs don't end up trying to trade off Chris Bryant, possibly Rizzo too. You know, I Kimbrel I think should probably be on the block as well. As much as Joe would probably say trade Javi too, I think he swings at too many balls outside the uh, plate. I don't think anybody's gonna want to go after Javi, unfortunately. So Jock Peterson, I like the trade. Bryce Ball, here's the thing: he's blocked right now. Freddie Freeman's not going anywhere. He's likely going to be signing an extension with Atlanta in this offseason. Uh, Freddie said during the All-Star break he can't see himself playing anywhere but Atlanta for the rest of his career. And I believe Freddie when he says that. So Bryce Ball is was blocked. He had nowhere to go. He was hitting in the low 200s at single-A Rome. I, I do like the trade that Atlanta made. I, I think they they had to, first of all. With the injuries to Acuna, with Ozuna being out, outfield depth was already low. They do have good minor league depth at outfield, but as we saw earlier this year, Pache is probably not quite ready this year. Maybe he'll be ready towards the end of this year. Um, Drew Waters hasn't come up yet, so we don't know what his bat's going to be like when he faces major league hitting either. So I am 100% okay with this trade. I think it was a good trade overall. Um, and I think Bryce Ball could potentially be, you know, a good future piece for the Cubbies. And I know, uh, you know, if he ever turns out to be the next Babe Ruth, Joe's going to be chortling all the way to the bank. And hey, man, that's okay. Alex Andopoulos, the GM of Atlanta, for years, a complaint you hear from a lot of Atlanta fans is he loves to stockpile prospects, stockpile prospects. Well, he finally took one of those prize prospects. Bell was uh, ball, excuse me, Ball was our, uh, I believe, twelfth ranked prospect in the system, 
and he turned him into an everyday solid major league player who is a former all-star and a former champion, having won a World Series ring last year in L.A. That's good leadership he'll bring to the ballpark, and he'll help mentor the young guys along. Um, I, I really do like the trade. All right, I'm going to take a quick break, and I'll be right back to give you the wrap-up with the Cubs and the Phillies. All right, welcome back, everybody. So it was easier to do the Cubs and the Phillies together since they started the week last week with a four-game set in Chicago. Uh, this did not go Joe's way at all. It was a horrible series for the Cubs, a great series for the Phillies. In the first game, the uh, Phillies handed the Cubbies their 10th straight loss. They won that game in a monster 13-3 womp. Uh, David Ross actually, uh, I think he actually came out and argued after Harper got a walk and probably got tossed for that. Uh, this, w <laughs> this game was just not pretty for the Cubbies. Uh, the Phillies' offense was clicking and in a big way. Didi Gregorius hit a his solo shot. Herrera had a three-run shot. Knapp had a solo shot. Hoskins had a two-run shot. Baum had a solo shot. I mean, they had RBI spread all over the place. McCutcheon, Gregorius, Herrera had three. Knapp, Hoskins had three, and Baum had two. The Phillies looked really good, and they were taking advantage of the long ball in Chicago. Uh, Chicago starter Zach Davies actually pitched pretty well. He went five innings, gave up four hits, and two earned runs. Uh, two walks and a strikeout. Uh, problem was Brothers was where the uh, cascading runs just started. He gave up two runs and a third of an inning. Thompson shut it down a little bit. Morgan gave up three runs, although only one was earned, and uh, he actually didn't record an out. Stewart gave up three more unearned runs in an inning, and then Sogard gave up three earned runs in the, la in the last inning. Uh, just not good, not good at all. Uh, Matt Moore pitched well for the Phillies. He went four innings, five hits, two earned runs, two walks, four strikeouts. I think Jason was jumping for joy when he saw Matt Moore didn't give up more than a single home run. Brogdon did end up getting the win. Bradley had one hold before the game got out of control, and, you know, even the Phillies' bullpen couldn't blow that. So, you know, game one was a big one for the Phillies to pick that up. <laughs> So, yeah, the Cubs, they fell below 500 for the first time since they were at 1920 in mid-May. Uh, you know, this is this is not looking good for the uh, Cubbies at all. And like I like I alluded to with the trade, I think the Cubbies are going to be heading, heading hard into sell mode. And honestly, the way this team played in June, I can't blame them. In the second game of the series, that was uh, no pitchers needed matchup. <laughs> the Phillies won that one big 15 to 10. I believe that was the game that was going on last week while we were recording. So Jason and Joe were shooting each other looks back and forth the whole game. Uh, Aaron Nola pitched pretty well for the Phillies. He gave up, went six innings, gave up six hits, four and runs, a walk and eight strikeouts. You know, it, nothing wrong with that. Hector Neris had a one pitch, a third of an <laughs> inning late in the game after uh, Falter gave up five runs over an inning and two third. I, I was honestly shocked that Neris shut the door and didn't allow a run. I think Jason was too. Uh, De Los Santos did give up a run in the ninth, but at that point when it's 15-9, to nine, you know, it's one run. Arietta got absolutely shelled, which was something Jason alluded to as well uh, last week to Joe. Uh, Arietta went one and two-thirds, six hits, seven earned runs, two walks, four strikeouts. I, the Cubs need to do something about Arietta. He's completely ineffective. They, You know, I know Joe said the depth isn't great, but honestly... 
minor a minor league pitcher is probably going to perform better than Arietta has been. He's just been awful. Uh, Williams also got shelled later in the game in relief. In three and two-thirds, he gave up six at seven runs, although only three were earned. So just not, you know, that was just not a good outing at all for the Cubs pitching, period. Harper had a double, Segura had a double, Hoskins had two doubles, McCutcheon hit a grand slam. Uh, Harper had his 15th home run. That was his first uh, multi-runner homer of the game. That was a three-run shot, so he will not match the record for uh, solo shots to start the year. Jason's probably quite happy about that. Hoskins did add a solo shot later in the seventh. You know, the Phillies' offense is back and healthy, and they are clicking. Kutch had four RBIs, Harper had four RBIs, Segura had two, and Hoskins had four. I mean, those are your big RBI guys. The only one who didn't really get in on that was JT Real Muto. And he's, you know, he went 0 for 3, but he had two walks and still scored three runs out of it. So, you know, even despite that, I think uh, JT would be pretty happy with those results, honestly. Uh, Jankowski has stolen base in that game. Uh, there was three errors committed by the Cubs in this game. Uh, Peterson had a fielding error, Baez had a fielding error, and uh, Contreras had a catcher's interference error. That's never going to make your manager happy either. The Cubs are playing sloppy right now. That was their 11th straight loss, you know, and the Phillies are starting to pick up momentum. You know, after this three out of four, they also took two out of three in Boston, so the Phillies are coming in hot. Um, That was Arietta's second shortest start of his career. It's... He is now, ever since that last win in Pittsburgh, he's now 0-5 of the 9.67 ERA at 8 starts. Again, I do not understand why he's still pitching. He said after the game, quote, The stuff is too good. I still have a lot left in the tank. There's no question about that. The stuff plays. The execution's not there. It hasn't been for a while. But I've been in similar situations in my career. I've been in worse situations than this. I don't understand... I don't understand why he's still in the starting rotation. He either needs to be sent down or he needs to be demoted to the long reliever. Uh, David Ross said, quote, there is a better version of him in there somewhere, but it's not, you know, it's not clear what he was going to do with that spot. I've got to look at that, Ross said. We've got a lot going on, 11 losses in a row. I think there's a lot to look at. I'll wrap my brains around this one tonight and try and attack the problems in the morning. Well, you know, you know, David, I think that's a huge problem and you need to figure that out ASAP because it's clear Arietta can't be a starter right now. He doesn't have his stuff. Now, Chicago's offense, like I said, they did do some damage tonight. Uh, Chirinos had a home run off De Los Santos in the ninth. Baez hit two home runs in the game. You know, Baez had four RBIs in that game. He, you know, he's trying to dig out of that hole he's in. His average is back up around 234, 496 slugging. If he just stopped swinging at balls outside the freaking strike zone, he could probably bring it up a lot more. I mean, I understand every now and then he does get a hold of one of those way outside balls and crushes it, but he also misses a heck of a lot more than he hits on those. So we'll see what the trade market looks like for Baez. I don't know how many teams are looking for a wildly free-swinging shortstop, but you know we'll see. And then in the uh, third game, the Cubs end their 11-game slide, and they beat Zach Wheeler to do it, 8-3. to Go figure. Uh, Rizzo, Peterson, and Nico Horner each had two hits in an RBI. Uh, and I just don't know what happened to Wheeler that night. He just didn't have it. 
You know, Wheeler went five and two-thirds. He gave up eight hits, seven runs. Granted, only four of them were earned. A walk and six strikeouts. Uh, jumped his uh, season ERA up to 226 after the start. And uh, Brogdon also allowed a, another run in the third of an inning after when he came on in relief of Wheeler. Uh, Alec Mills, he came through big for the Cubs. Five and two-thirds. He gave up five hits, three earned runs, a walk, and five strikeouts. Um, Kimbrell did come on in the ninth, although it wasn't a save opportunity. I'm sure Rossi just wanted to give him a little bit of work since... Uh, saves have been unbecoming for the last basically two weeks for him. Uh, Harper did have a double. McCutcheon had a two-run shot uh, for the Cubs. Wisdom had a double. Rizzo had a triple. A lot of production from different guys on the RBI front. Hayward, Rizzo, Peterson, Ortega, Contreras. Wisdom had two RBIs and uh, Horner had an RBI. You know, the Cubs need to be doing more of this. They need to be doing more of this if they're going to find success as the season goes along and to try and turn the season around. In the uh, rubber matchup of the game, or uh, excuse me, of the series, the uh, Phillies were like, oh, okay, you beat Wheeler. Guess what? That's not happening again. They routed the Cubbies 8 to nothing. Brad Miller hit three home runs for the first time in his career, so congratulations to Brad Miller on that accomplishment. Uh, Eflin pitched very well, six innings, five hits. Obviously, he didn't give up any runs. He only walked one and struck out five. The Phillies bullpen went three innings, gave up no hits, two walks, and four strikeouts. Uh, Jason, you should be very happy with that. Uh, they also ran a little bit. Uh, Didi Gregorius had his second stolen base. Real Muto had his fifth stolen base when he stole home. Go figure. Um, Alzale, he did not have his best stuff. Five innings, five hits, four and runs, walk, and five strikeouts. And he gave up two home runs. He gave up uh, two. To, uh, yeah, he gave up two of the three home runs to Miller, and then Abbott gave up another home run to Miller, and also Didi Gregorius also hit a home run off Abbott as well, who pitched three long innings in relief for the Cubs. So yeah, the Cubs the Cubs offense wasn't there. The Phillies held them to five hits for the entire game. So you know you don't hit you don't you're not going to do anything. I don't think we need to go any further into that, Joe. I'll be nice. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, coming out of that series, the Phillies had to have a ton of momentum for that. Um, oh, and Ryan Tapera uh, did, is going to be coming off the 10-day IL. I believe he did pitch against the Cardinals. We'll uh, get to that in just a minute. Uh, we're going to jump to the Phillies-Red Sox. Uh, game one, the Red Sox did what they've been doing for most of the first half. They crushed the Phillies 11-5. to and uh, Red Sox manager Alex Cora was asked why he made uh, Kike Hernandez his leadoff hitter, and he said, quote, instant offense. That's what we're looking for, for him to hunt fastballs and do damage. Uh, he, he led off Boston's first the home run, and that just sparked the Red Sox for that game. It was uh, not a pretty one for the Phillies. Uh, Vince did not pit, Vince Velasquez did not pitch well once again. He went two and a third, six hits, eight earned runs, four walks, and two strikeouts. He gave up three home runs. Martinez had a three-run shot. Hernandez had a solo shot. Devers had a solo shot. Yeah, the Red Sox also had doubles for Martinez, Hernandez, Renfro, and Dalbeck. You know, they had RBI spread out again. You know, Martinez had four. Hernandez had two. Vasquez had two. Renfro, Verdugo, and Devers each had an RBI. When you're spreading it around, good things are going to happen. Uh, Boston, they the offense was clicking. They went six for 19 with runners in scoring position. Yeah, they left 10 guys on base, but they scored 11 runs, so who cares? Uh, the Phillies did go three for nine with runners in scoring position, but it just wasn't enough. Real Muto had a double. Segura had a triple. Um, Harper, Real Muto, and Baum all had RBIs for the Red Sox. 
Richards pitched well for Boston. He went five innings, seven hits, three earned runs, and four strikeouts. You know, not the, not the start Philly wanted in Boston by any small stretch of the imagination. But, you know, I think they're pretty happy with how it turned out. In game two of the series, the Phillies unloaded on the Red Sox. Segura opened the game with a home run, and uh, the Phillies won big 11-2. They snapped Boston's nine-game home winning streak. Um, Segura drove that first home run over the over the green monster and left. And the tap just kept running for the Phillies from there. Perez got shelled early for Boston. He only lasted three and two-thirds. He gave up six hits, three earned runs, uh, two walks, four strikeouts. It, and that was a lot of work in three and two-thirds of an inning. He threw 73 pitches in that time. Uh, Matt Moore did start for Philly. He went four and a third, three hits, two earned runs, three walks, and a strikeout. He obviously wasn't in line for the win. He didn't pitch long enough. Uh, Falter ended up picking up the win for the Philly, for the uh, Phillies. As their bullpen, after the two runs more gave up, they shut Boston down. They only gave up one hit, one walk, and had uh, six strikeouts for the rest of the way out, so they should be very happy about that. Harper, Torres, and Hoskins all had doubles. Like I said, Segura had a homer. Bomb had his sixth home run of the season. Harper, Segura, Torres, Knapp, Hoskins, Bomb all had RBIs. You know, the Phillies, the whole offense was clicking that night, and they looked really good in that big win in, Bo- in game two in Boston. You know, no complaints there, I'm sure. All right, then in the rubber match of the series, uh, Philly won 5-4. to four. It was a really close game, and uh, the Phillies' bullpen held together and pitched really well. Uh, Ronald Torres had a three-run homer, uh, and Philly, they used six pitchers after losing their scheduled starter to uh, COVID-19 training. You know, Anytime you hear the Phillies going bullpen game, Jason starts getting heart palpitations, frothing at the mouth, but... They pitched, you know, honestly, they pitched really well. Kinsler was the opener. He did give up a run in the first inning, but then Sanchez came in. He only gave up one run through three. Naris actually came in and pitched an inning and only gave up a hit and no runs. I was honestly shocked by that, Jason. Um, Alvarado made things interesting. He gave up uh, two runs and two-thirds of an inning, but that was the that was the extent of what Boston was able to do. Suarez picked up his second save of the year. Uh, offensively, Hoskins had a double. Like I said, Torres had the home run. Uh, you know, Philly came together. They played some small ball. They peppered Boston for six hits. Boston hit him for 11, so it was a lot of bend but don't break with the bullpen. And, you know, here's the really funny thing. Boston's starter that night was Nick Pavetta, former Phillies pitcher. And if you remember right, last week Jason said, you know, I'm expecting, as is traditional, for Pavetta to kill the Phillies. He didn't. The Phillies, the Phillies jumped on him. He went four innings, he gave four hits, five runs, only four of which were earned, two walks and four strikeouts. Now, that said, the Phillies did nothing against Boston the rest of the way. For the last five innings, they only got two hits, they drew two walks, and they struck out five times. So both bullpens were shut down, honestly. It was a a good pitching matchup. Uh, Martinez had a double for Boston. Arroyo had two doubles. Uh, Bogarts hit a home run. That was his 15th of the year. You know, Boston tried. They pushed. And against the Phillies in their bullpen, that should have been a game, honestly, that Boston should have won. I think if you'd interview the players, they would probably all agree that they let that one get away. For the season, uh, they split it 3-3. Three to three, So, you know, good job, Philly, going on the road and taking two out of three of a really, really good home Boston team. Uh, to put this in perspective, guys, 
Boston ended the first half of the year with a 28-19 record at home, and Philly ended with a 20-28 record on the road. So that was a particularly impressive series for the Phillies. Uh, Just to finish off the first half, then, for the Cardinals and the Cubs, uh, like I said, they only played two of the three games. Sunday got rained out. So in the first game, the Cubs won 10-5. Kyle Hendricks won his ninth straight. He now has an 11-4 record on the season. He pitched very well, six and a third, seven hits, two earned runs, a walk and a strikeout. And then the bullpen went the rest of the way. Now, Ryan did give up three runs in the ninth, but, you know, at that point, you're up 10-2, to so, you know, you let the guy run with it. It's okay. Uh, LeBlanc did not pitch well for the Cardinals. He only lasted three innings, five hits, three earned runs. Uh, the Cubbies got two doubles from Peterson. Contreras had a double. Bryant had a double. Wisdom in his 12th home run of the year. That was a two-run shot. Hayward also had an RBI. You know, it was it was a good all-around team victory for the Cubs. This is the kind of thing they needed coming off that Philly series. They combined for 12 hits for the entire game. Uh, the Cubs need to get hits. Joe went over it last week. They're... Not just the power numbers have been non-existent. All of their offensive numbers have been non-existent. So hopefully the Cubbies can take some of this momentum into the second half. Uh, for the Cardinals, Goldschmidt, Bader, and Carlson all had doubles. DeYoung had a home run as well off uh, Ryan in the ninth inning. So, you know, I'm sure Joe is sweating a little bit just because of how bad the Cubs have been. But I don't really think there was much they needed to be worried about by that one. That was a pretty easy win for the Cubs, thankfully. And then in the second game of the series, uh, the Cardinals shut the Cubbies out 6-0. They had uh, three home runs in the fifth inning from uh, Paul Goldschmidt, Paul DeYoung, and Tommy Edmond. You know, not how the Cubbies wanted to end the year. Zach Davies had kind of been playing a little bit of stopper lately for them, but he just did not pitch well. He went four to third innings. He gave up seven hits, three earned runs, walked two and struck out three. And uh, the Cubs' bullpen just didn't do anything and the Cubs offense didn't do anything they only had six hits for the entire game they had one extra base hit Uh, Nico Horner had a double other than that they had five singles and they did nothing with it they would 0 for 8 with runners in scoring position left seven men on that's never going to get it done especially the other team hits three home runs Um, Kim who has become the de facto ace for the Cardinals for right now. He pitched very well. He went six innings, five hits, walked one, and struck out seven. I mean, the Cubs for the game, they struck out ten times and only drew two walks. You know, Joe touched on this last week. I'm just going to touch on it again. The Cubs need to do better. This is not going to get anything done for them. So that was it for the first half for the uh, Braves, the Cubs, and the Phillies. I've got mixed feelings with how the first half went, honestly. I really do. Um, the Phillies are looking good. They're at, uh, since we had some games last night, the Phillies are back at 500. They're 45 and 45. They're three and a half behind the Mets, so they're certainly still in it. Atlanta's one game under 500 at 44 and 45. They are playing right now. They're four games behind the Mets. I don't know that. I don't know where Jason really thought the Phillies would be at this time of the year. I know his opinion has bounced around a little bit over the year between all their injuries and fighting back from their injuries. If the Phillies' offense is able to stay healthy, and that's a big if because they have had a lot of injuries this year, and they can pick up some pitching, particularly for the bullpen, but I think they need another starting arm too. 
they could I could easily see them making a run at the Mets and challenging the Mets. The Mets only have a plus nine run differential. And the Mets are almost as bad on the road as the Phillies are at 19 and 26. Atlanta, this team has been badly underperforming all year. I'm going to be blunt about it. I'm underwhelmed at what I've seen out of Atlanta this year. They have a plus 19 run differential, but here's the thing. A lot of those came in those big wins that Atlanta had. If you take those big wins out of the picture, Atlanta's run differential doesn't look nearly as pretty. I do agree with going after Jock Peterson. Like I said earlier, they need outfield depth with Acuna and Ozuna gone. And I don't, I will be, I will be shocked, even if Ozuna is cleared, I will be shocked if he sees another game this season. Well, they resolve all the uh, domestic violence issues. The Cubs, man, I I don't know what to even think about this. I I can't remember the last time. You sometimes see at the beginning of the season, April is rough, May is hot, or April's hot, May is rough. The beginning of the year is always so hard to predict for any team. But... I don't know that I've ever seen May and June flip around so radically for a team. As Joe pointed out last week, they went into that Milwaukee series neck and neck with the Brewers. They came out eight games back, and that's where they stand at this point. They're 44 and 46, two games under 500 at eight games back. Their run differential has dipped to negative 24. You know, they had the Phillies in the friendly confines of Wrigley Field where they had been playing really well. And they still have a good home record at 28-17. and 17. Their road record is abysmal right now at 16-29. and 29. I don't necessarily know that the Cubs are going to allow themselves to be declared sellers immediately. And I don't know that they should call themselves sellers immediately. They're opening up the second half of the year on the road. They... They've got seven games against teams that they should be able to beat. They have three at Arizona, who has been abysmal. And they have four at St. Louis, who they just split the two game. And actually, they may be doing, are they doing a makeup in there? They might be doing a makeup game in there for the one they missed. And then after that, they've got Arizona at home again for three. So that's that 10 games, I think, will tell Chicago exactly where they are. Arizona is dead last in the NL West, and they have the worst record in baseball right now at 26 and 66. They're 15 and 28 at home. They're 11 and 38 on the road, and they've got a negative 150 run differential. The Cardinals coming into games tonight are 44 and 46 with a negative 40 run differential. I think if the Cubs are the Cubs should take two out of three or sweep the two Arizona series. And if they can split with St. Louis, I don't necessarily know that I drop my hand and fold on the year. But then they've got four games with Cincinnati. And that should pr that's pretty much going to end out July for the Cubs. I think at that point we're going to really know what's happening with the Cubbies and what they're going to do. I mean, I could see Milwaukee going cold and Chicago launching right back up and then immediately going, hey, we're buying again, we're buying again. You know, we're just going to have to see. It's They've got so many guys that are on expiring contracts. I almost feel like even if they do well, 
they're probably better seeing what they can sell off and what they can get back. But again, only if you get a good return if you're on the upswing. If they really fall apart in these first 10 games out, the first 15 games out, sell everything plus the kitchen sink. The Phillies starting the second half of the year. Jason gleefully pointed out the other day in our group chat that the Phillies have the second easiest schedule based on record in the second half. Um, tonight they split a doubleheader with Miami and they have two more at home with Miami. And then they're on the road with New York and then they have Atlanta, Washington coming home. And then they'll end July going into August at Pittsburgh. So they're starting mostly at home. They brought a ton of momentum with them into the second half. They should start making moves. The, Yan the Yankees are reeling right now. Atlanta's injured. They're kind of reeling a little bit with Acuna, although they've bolstered it with Peterson. I'm really, really interested to see how Philly plays over the next two weeks. I'm per I The Braves-Philly series at the end of July, I'm really... My hope is that Atlanta ends up splitting the series. I think that's best-case scenario because... Uh, at this point now, we are a little bit out, but the scheduled starters at this point are Eflin, Velasquez, Wheeler, and Nola. And I do not have confidence that we're going to knock Wheeler around like we did earlier this year. So, you know, we're we're going to see. And Atlanta only has two starters announced, Freed and Smiley against Eflin and Velasquez. So we don't, you know, it's too early to know that anyway. And we'll touch on that more next week anyway. But, you know, we're going to find out a lot about these teams coming out of the break. Atlanta does not have the easiest schedule either in the second half. We are opening up with three games at home versus Tampa Bay, three games at home versus San Diego, and then four on the road at Philly, five on the road at New York. And that's going to be the last full series of uh, July, and then they start the end of July into August. They also have three at home with Milwaukee. Atlanta, once again, the, these first two series are going to tell us everything about where Atlanta's going to be going and if they're going to add more pieces or not. Right now, the front office has been saying we're still adding. We're not ready to fold and subtract yet. And I think that is the right choice. I think you listen for what people will ask for Smiley and Morton in particular because Morton has pitched so well lately, but I don't think necessarily you fold out right now. You're still within easy striking range of the division. The Mets, they have been hurt this year the Phillies have been hurt this year the Braves have been hurt this year what's going to determine who ends up on top is who can piece together the most full roster to end this second you know to end the run in the second half the Braves took a big loss with Acuna I think Freddie will step up I think Peterson's a solid addition um, oh actually I just saw uh Francisco Lindor left the game with an oblique injury tonight, so that's going to be, you know, that's going to be an issue for the Mets going forward. You know, it's like they get, they get somebody back, they lose somebody. They get somebody back, they lose somebody. So, you know, guys, we'll we'll take a look and we're going to see what's going to happen for the rest of the year. Um, we'll be back next week. We'll have our normal rundown. Plus, we're going to go through uh, our coverage of what we liked about the All-Star game, what we didn't like. Hint for me, it's the uniforms. They looked god-awfully ugly. Uh, you know, we'll talk about the rest of the games from this weekend, and we'll look ahead, and we're also going to we're gonna look at uh, potential targets, buying and selling-wise, for all three of our teams. 
and you know we'll go from there and see what happens. Uh, one other thing tonight, Vlad Jr. He uh, launched two home runs. He's up to thirty on the season. He uh, joined Shohei Otani in the thirty home run club. So uh, as the uh, Blue Jays they shattered the Rangers tonight, ten to two. So you know Vlad Jr. We said earlier very strong candidate for MVP. I'm really curious to see how that race is going to play out in the AL. You know Otani's got the pitching stats too, which Vlad obviously won't have. But will that just go towards more of a Cy Young for Otani and not the MVP? You know, we're, we're just going to have to wait and see. It's going to be a, I have a feeling it's going to be a really exciting second half of the year, regardless of who comes out on top. All right, everybody, you can find us on Anchor, Spotify, Breaker, Google Podcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, and Spreaker. We are presented by Dark Arrow Podcast, LLC. May your dogs always cost a dollar. May your beer always be cold. Have a good night, everyone. And happy 10th anniversary to Jason and Karen.